Welcome to Rising Tide Startups, where today's most exciting solopreneurs share their startup stories. They also deliver tangible strategies that they would implement personally if starting their business over today. Each episode is a startup masterclass. Make sure you take notes. Take it away, Kevin. This is Kevin Pruitt with another episode of Rising Tide Startups, and my guest today is JP Clement. JP, thanks for joining us on Rising Tide. Thanks for having me, Kevin. We uh we were actually talking offline. I mean, JP's originally from France, and and his his name would be pronounced differently, had had we been doing this interview in France. But I yes. I didn't want to butcher it with my bad French accent. So JP, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, yes, well, thanks, Kevin. Uh, yeah, so as you, as you said, I uh, and as people can hear probably, I uh, grew up in France. Uh, went to business school in the U.S. after college in Paris. Uh, and uh, started my marketing career uh, a long time ago. Um, for those uh, who are watching, you, know, you can see the gray hair. Of, uh, I'm a grizzled veteran of the marketing wars, uh, as I like to say. Uh, yeah, so I, I've done all kinds of marketing, starting tra traditional marketing uh, back in the day. Uh, worked for CPG companies, uh, customer packaged goods, and then worked for uh, um, you know, indirect marketing and then uh, started doing internet marketing or digital marketing in uh, 1998. So that wow. <laughs> goes back a while. Yeah. Um, but and then I've done probably every kind of digital marketing that, that there is um, uh, at this point, um, mostly on the uh, client side. Um, but then in 2006, I moved to the agency side, um, worked for an agency that was doing social media marketing before uh, it was even called social media marketing. Um, and, um, and then started my own agency with a partner uh, in 2009, and then uh, added a couple agencies to that uh, in, the, um, in the following 10 or 11 years. Um, and jo I joined Boomtime only about six months ago, and I've um, um, been uh, the CEO of Boomtime for about six months, as I said, uh, and, uh, and enjoying what I'm doing uh, at Boomtime very much. So walk us through the, 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 I guess, transition from, you know, running your own agency to kind of stepping in the role of CEO, because uh, as we were talking offline before the, before we started the recording, I actually interviewed the previous CEO of Boomtime and, mm -hmm. and we had a great conversation about a year ago, but so walk us through that, that transition. He stepped out to, to pursue other, other interests and is, was it a difficult transition to go from kind of running your own shop to like almost stepping into the into the role of someone that had started something? What, how, walk us through that. Yeah, that's that's a very good question because, you know, tra transitions are never easy. That's the first <laughs> thing I will say. But uh, Bill was kind enough to really make the, that tra transition uh, pretty seamless, um, uh, for me at least. Uh, and he took with him, though, uh, his uh, CRO, Chief Revenue Officer, mm -hmm. And his uh, CEO is chief operating officer, <laughs> uh, but at the same time, I had the promoted people from within that were really, really good, um, and I've been working uh, in my management team very well. So, and for me, you know, it, the switch was actually not that much of a switch in the sense that um, the agencies that I ran, uh, some of them had, you know, uh, the, about the same size of employees, uh, although a different setup uh, compared to uh, Boom Time. And also, I've managed really large teams uh, in my previous job as a, um, on the client side, as I mentioned. So it, it was not a very difficult transition, um, but you know, there's always a, a lot of skeletons in the closets, <laughs> as uh, as we say um, in any kind of transit tra transition. So you, you know, um, 
it, it was good, but uh, and not much of a big adjustment for me, uh, especially because you know Bill had built a company uh, on the principle that I I was very attuned to because I'd been thinking along the same lines for about ten years, and I was trying to find the right the right way uh, uh, to do what Boontime is doing uh, on my own, basically, or with my my own team. Um, and we approach it from a very different standpoint. Like he's a very technically savvy person. I'm not. Uh, I'm probably better at marketing than Bill is. Um, but so you, you know, we're looking at, at this from different uh, points of view. But at the same time, we had a very similar ideas. So because of that, you know, I I got into a team um, that uh, that um, that does exactly the, the kind of things that I've been wanting to do uh, <laughs> for uh, for ten years. So, I mean, philosophically, you said that you you all tracked pretty consistently, you know, from a mm -hmm. from just a business philosophy standpoint. Yep. But I I really it's it's actually a unique transition you talked about where maybe the the CMO or the CRO or the C you know COO I guess moved mm -hmm. on with Bill and then you promoted from within. I I've got to believe that in some ways that 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 would almost help the transition. You know. Oh yeah, tremendously. It, it definitely did. And it's not look. It's not. I don't. I wouldn't call this a usual type of trans transition because um, it's to Bill's credit and to uh, Steph, who was the, the old CEO, uh, credit that they um, you know they built a, a really solid team and identified within that team the people who could rise up to become part of the management team uh, in a new structure uh, under a new CEO. I right. Mean. Um, and, uh, so they, you know, everything was put in place and thought about, I think for, you know, several months before they actually decided uh, to make that transition. Um, and, uh, I guess, you know, in a weird way, I probably was the only, like the, the only missing link, right. That they needed to move right. to, to, to make the, the transition. And, uh, so yeah, it, it was, uh, un unusually easy. Um, and I think pretty unusual that for such a big change in the company, the transition happens so smoothly. Well, I mean, I don't want to spend our entire time comparing the two CEOs here. So this is your show, and I, I want to I want to really drill down in, into into sure. JP here, JP land. So so walk us through. So landing six months ago as the CEO, mm -hmm. how much in that period? You know, there's there's this business adage that says, okay, for six months you don't make any major changes. You're just you're almost in learning mode. You know, for six months, and that then you can kind of put your own stamp on things. You know, after that. So, what is your personal philosophy? You know, that since you stepped into this role, I mean, how how have you how could you maybe coach other people that might step into a similar similar role? You know, things you you think have worked well, things that you said, "Boy, I wish I wouldn't have done that. I wish I would have, you know, waited." you know, to, before I did that or you, any specific examples you can think of? Uh, yes, uh, many actually. <laughs> and I guess I didn't get that uh, memo that you shouldn't change anything in the first six months <laughs> uh, because I actually put in place a lot of, uh, so no drastic major changes in terms of, you know, where, uh, you know, the strategy and, and the big things in the company, but we made, um, and I say we because, you know, my management team was very, uh, very much part of it. I, I tend to use a very collaborative uh, right. type of uh, management style. Um, and, you know, um, because, you know, I'm still learning after 30 plus years of being working, I'm still learning every single day. So, uh, you know, I don't claim to have all the answers, but uh, anyway, wise to, to people will long, say that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to make a long story short, um, you know, we implemented a lot of small, small changes and, uh, and actually maybe 
a little bit too fast. You know, I think uh, my team in general, not just my management team, but my team in, in general, got a little bit of um, of uh, what we call the change fatigue. Uh, yeah, change fatigue. You know, sure. we we did change quite a few things. Again, you know, each one of these was not a big deal, but mm -hmm. cumulatively, I think they ended up being kind of, um, you know, uh, a little bit much for some people, at least. But a lot of people were very energized by the fact that, you know, things were changing and were being more transparent and things like that. And again, this is not at all a knock on Bill and the old management team, but it's just because um, the, the, the business were, was at an inflection point where, um, you, you know, we were poised for big growth mm -hmm. uh, and needed big growth. That was right. kind of the index that Bill, <laughs> the old CEO, had given me. But um, but that uh, you know, they, the a lot of things in the business had had, had been done at a time, uh, probably two three years ago, where the business was going through a huge kind of um, cultural and strategy change, mm -hmm. um, and. So, and was kind of in survival mode. Um, and by the time you talked to Bill a year ago, the business was already kind of, you know, was out of this, you know, this kind of transition phase and out of trouble in terms of, you mm -hmm. know, it, the business itself. And so, um, but, but some of these elements and things that have been put in, in place to survive and to manage that transition phase were still in place and didn't, didn't really make sense. In, in, right. You know, so right. for instance, one of the things that, you know, uh, kind of struck, struck me and stuck with me was that when I was uh, doing my due diligence with the company and Bill was interviewing me um, and I did a very, very thorough uh, due, due diligence, everybody said, you know, said, oh, we're, we're a startup. And then when I, but I'm like, well, and I was telling my, my family and my friends that I was talking to at, the, at, at that time, it's like, yeah, I'm interviewing with this company and, you know, this startup in, in Albuquerque. And, and I'm like, well, well, actually, no, it's not a startup really, because uh, the company had, had been in place, has been around for 10 years. You know, we're cash positive. We don't need any investment. We don't need anything. We're, uh, you know, we're at the size of revenue where we're not, we're not even, we're at right a border of small to medium sized company. So, um, you know, we're not a startup. And so, but a lot of things were still being operated on as a startup that was fighting for its life every single day. So uh, I made a, a lot of small changes were meant to get us from uh, the startup mentality, mm -hmm. which I love, by the way, I've worked with a lot of startups right. in my, my career. I've started many companies myself. I've been part of a lot of startups, but, um, but at, at the same time, you, you know, there are things, you know, I, I, I used to say, you know, let's 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 become, you know, the 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 company uh, the company that you know we are, you know, as opposed to still thinking with a startup mentality, you know. And there is a lot of little things that need to be put in place, such as performance reviews, right? You know, mm. um, you know, the company never had a performance review until I showed up. <laughs> yeah, now we do have them, but you know, and creating uh, career pathways for people within the company. All these kinds of things that you know, when you're fighting for survival, you don't think about. Right. But at some point, when you pass that that time um, and uh, that situation, you need to very seriously consider. And there's a there's a depth of there's a knowledge base that every individual will bring to the table. You know, like mm -hmm. you will bring things that you, you mentioned. You know, I, I may have a strength in marketing. Bill may have a strength in, you know, the the analytics or the mm -hmm. operation side or whatever. But I I think that. You know, if you look at the two of you as well, I mean, you both are going to have strengths and weaknesses that, you know, if if he's just trying to replace himself with an exact replica, you know, that's that would be extremely difficult and may even be detrimental. 
because you're you're not you're getting bill bill light you know instead of <laughs> yeah. you know in essence instead of the and, real thing yeah yeah and so in, instead of saying you know we are we are poised to kind of take the next the next the step to the next phase or whatever and how do we do that well and how can i bring someone in with their own strengths and and complementary skill set you know that that really kind of rounds out the the management team or management structure of of boom time and and we'll allow it to continue to grow and and it's it's funny because so many so many people that start businesses are they may be really good at starting it but mm -hmm. they're really bad at running it like after the fact yeah. you know or maintaining it or you know mm -hmm. going into growth mode or whatever that you know magic term is but um, I, I really I appreciate you giving the specific examples of, you know, even performance reviews. Mm -hmm. I mean, because that that is, you know, that's a that's a great example of something that, you know, startups don't necessarily think about because, you know, they're always scrambling. We're just trying to get clients, mm -hmm. <laughs> We're yeah. just trying to trying to pay bills and stuff like that. But mm -hmm. is is one of the factors of moving from startup phase to you know, out of the growth, growth phase, is it when somebody retires, do you have to have one person to retire in the company and then there's no longer a startup? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good way. You know, I, for, for me, it's like when you get to a place where you're, you know, steadily cash positive to me, that you're not a startup anymore, you know, that means you, you know, you, you still, we're still scrambling for clients like everybody else, sure. but, you know, but at the same time, you know, we have some financial stability where, you know, um, yeah, where we can say that, you know, we're, we're doing things, uh, you know, we're, we're in a point where we're not really a startup any longer. And also, you, you know, after 10 years, if you're still a startup, <laughs> that's kind of a little bit of, probably a little bit of a problem. Exactly but, right. Time to take the yeah. training wheels off, I guess. Exactly. Yeah. I think, I think we should be able to stand, uh, to stand on our own, uh, on two feet here, but uh, no, but look, go, going back to what you said, uh, that Bill try you know, um, and, you know, the transition from one CEO, from the startup CEO to another CEO, it's, it's always difficult, of course, but Bill is an incredibly smart, smart person. I started many, many companies. Uh, he's very good at running companies, not just at start, mm -hmm. starting. Um, yeah, that I didn't mean to imply that. No, no, no. I, and, and I know you were not, but I just want to know. I just want the record to state that, you know, that's the fact. In case Bill um, listens to this. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm sure he will. <laughs> you still get our emails. We're not talking bad we about you, Bill. Like <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. So, um, no, but look, Bill was very, he's uh, incredibly smart and uh, inc incredibly savvy in terms of how to run a business. And he totally realized that strategically, he, he needed he needed someone different from from himself to yep. get the company to the next level. And what he thought the company was was missing was uh, a much more depth in marketing knowledge. Mm -hmm. you know, because we are a digital marketing agency. Um, right. We do have a lot of technology that we put in place ourselves in the company that helps us do a better job of running our campaigns, makes us more efficient, more uh, that helps helps me manage the company uh, mm -hmm. from a pure managerial standpoint. Uh, but at the same, but we're not a tech company; we're a digital marketing ag agency. And we thought that he he had, from his perspective, he had reached kind of his. Uh, is apex in terms of you know uh, where he could take the company mm -hmm. uh, with what he knew about marketing and to get to the next level uh, he wanted someone with more marketing experience but it's also someone who bought into his his vision for what boomtime should be um, that was me <laughs> so well that that's the story he told you but actually what he did is he went right to bass pro shops and bought a, a bunch of fishing gear <laughs> and skis and ski gear and stuff like that and he is retired now in nevada 
you know? <laughs> uh, yeah, actually, no. I mean, I, he's uh, still technically my boss, and we talk uh, we talk often. And um, and he's a mountain biker like 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 me. So I think he probably went to uh, to the to the bike shop and bought himself a couple of bikes. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, uh, you know, it's uh, and and again, you know, I think you were, we were talking about um, you're talking about you know how a tra- how does a startup trend transition to that next phase mm-hmm. um and you know and and staffing is is really critical for yeah. that too as you said and it's not just about the management team it's about the whole company and also about you know something that i've um i've uh, one of the changes that i made which i think is pretty critical um but was only doable because of the, con- the condition that bill and and had left the company in uh when when he um hired me was that uh, was culture, was called the culture of, of the company. Right. So when I when I was doing my due diligence and interviewing, um, I was you know I, I was really struck by the, the vibe in the company and the, the type of people that, that I was meeting and, and talking with and and you know how they were thinking about themselves and, and the company and you know and, and you get this sense and you know I'm like wow there there is a very interesting culture there which actually was one of, one of the main reasons why I decided to join the company mm-hmm. uh, because I thought that that was a great fit for me uh, and I really liked what I was seeing in terms of the people the quality of the right. people the attitude of, of the people and so what what I did one of the first things that that, that I did when I joined is that um, we basically revamped our core values and we created a mission statement a vision uh, statement and uh, we revamped they had some core values but we really again they were kind of based on the old boom time, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, so we we read we did that, and basically we codified this culture that I was seeing and feeling, and made, put it literally black and white uh, on digital paper at least, uh, <laughs> and so for for everybody to see and, and to abide by, and so um, and now those performance reviews that I mentioned are going to be based on meeting our core values, mm-hmm. a, a large part of the performance right. reviews, right? Because we we I take that very very seriously, and so does the rest of the company. Um, and we want to you know we love working to get together we have fun although we're totally remote we still have fun we still mm-hmm. find, find ways to to get together and have a lot of fun um, and and those core values are very very critical so is the re- remote situation at at boom time is it because of covid or was it completely remote prior to covid no, that was prior to COVID. It happened before COVID uh, hit, and uh, but it was, so we were in a, in a prime spot, uh, both internally in the sense that you know we were everybody was working remotely. We had a remote working policy. Mm-hmm. We had everything in place, uh, and everybody was safe. Um, and at the same time, and so the one of the, actually the very first the, this executive decision that I made was we had a chance to get out of our lease. And we did, <laughs> um, and uh, now we treat. So they had kept a small office where they could meet once in a while and have right. you know company parties and things like that. We just said, you know, I said no, we don't need that. Um, and so we fully remote. Uh, I, at the same time, externally, uh, COVID was really good for, for 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 us. You know, kind of the silver lining um, in this horrible time <laughs> uh, for a lot of people. Um, we, uh, you, you know, a, a lot of it, the companies that uh, were doing marketing at trade shows and conferences and whatever mm-hmm. couldn't do that in, anymore. And the kind of services that we rendered for these companies were perfectly suited to this new way of doing business and getting sales and leads and, and doing marketing. Do you think though that, that I mean, I, I see certain huge advantages to, to the mm-hmm. way you were structured when COVID hit. But were there disadvantages too with 
you know, you, you kind of coming into the role in the midst of COVID, were there disadvantages? Is it hard to transition a CEO in a completely remote or distributed company? Because, you know, do you have the opportunity to really sit down and just spend a lot of time with your management team, like working closely together and collaborating and writing on a whiteboard and, you know, sitting in conference rooms and drinking coffee and, you know, do uh, the, the Patrick Lencioni, you know, we're going to, we're going to have critical, you know, <laughs> difficult yeah. conversations, but we're going to grow together type thing. So, yeah, you know, I, I remember when the first book I, I read when I was in business school uh, about marketing, uh, about management in general was called Management by Wondering About. I don't know if you read that. It was a long time ago, but it, it, anyway, I mean, it, the idea was like as a top executive, you should be, you know, very much in touch with the rest of your team at any, any level and should be, you know, going from, instead of staying in your corner office, right, with the big windows, you should like walk around the cubes, like the cubicles, and, uh, and you know, talk to people and really get the pulse of what people are doing on a pretty regular basis. Uh, so yeah, you can definitely not do that in uh, COVID times. And it, so, but uh, the company had already been used to actually, and had all the processes and all the, the tools in, in place to actually work remotely. And I'd already been used to that. And in my previous companies, uh, my, my agencies, um, I was also doing all my work from home, basically. Uh, yeah. So, and my teams were always virtual teams. Um, so I never really, I haven't had an off, a real office in probably 11 years. So, <laughs> so for me, it was not that, that difficult, but yeah, but it could be difficult for some, you know, if the conditions had, had been different or the company was going through the midst of learning how to become a remote company, in you know, with COVID and with a new CEO, that that might have been a big problem. But, right. But, right. but the tools were already there. My personality and my experience was very much in sync with that, and so it was in that respect, it was pretty smooth. But um, but you know, but 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 we're still you know imp improving and we're still learning. You know, we're we're putting in place because Slack has become our office, mm -hmm. so we're putting in place uh, you know communication policies so people you know because. It's weird, you know, if you're, if you're in an office with, uh, with someone, you, you know, if you ask someone to do something with you or for you, you would say, please, you know, and when they did it, you would say thanks. And it's funny because we do that on Slack, but we know some of our people stop saying please and thanks, which is, mm. you know, I, I try not to, but, you know, so, and communications, you know, and obviously emojis and the, the written word uh, in the Slack channel is very different from actually, you know, being able to be one-on-one -on -one and yep. using body, uh, body language cues and, and things like that. So, so you know, it's not easy, and but we're, we're learning and we're putting all kinds of things in place uh, overall. But I think, you know, we were pr we were primed to, to get to that next step and, and COVID, as I said, was not a big deal for us. You talk about the, uh, the career pathways that you, you said you've implemented mm -hmm. since you since you got there that, that that sounds I mean it's it sounds like you know yeah of course every company should have that but I mean so few companies actually really implement that well so tell me what what the objective is and and really how mm -hmm. that fleshes out yeah so you know first I think um, it's hard because you know we're we're about 30 31 people today um, in the company. So it's not like, you know, there's a lot of pathways, period. Mm -hmm. uh, but we think it's very important for the people, and it's a big part of our culture, to really um, get people to do what they really should be doing. And by the way, one thing that I didn't mention is that um, Bill, I, I put in place something called e EOS. I don't know if you're familiar with that. It's the uh, Entrepreneur uh, Operating System. Yes. Yeah. So it's a way for companies to run themselves. And it's that Wigman? Do you know Wigman? 
I don't know him. No. No, I I thought maybe that I yeah. thought he was maybe the the like the creator of that system. Yeah, or... I think that's what. Yeah, I think he, he is. But you know, so we use the cold run traction tools is mm-hmm. one of our products, and we use traction tools, which really helps. By by the way, is a great way to uh, to help you with. Um, uh, you know, running meetings and and especially in a remote environment uh, makes it even easier because it's a kind of a focal point and there is a software attached to it that you can run on, on your browser that everybody in, a, in, in the company at the at boom time does run in the browser and we do all our meetings within that EOS and traction tools framework, um, which is which also, by the way, is a great way, as I said, to for trans, to help with transitions and to help in, um, in a remote work environment. And that's, I think that's helped us quite a bit. Um, but part part of EOS is that uh, is you know making sure that people in your company have the the right the are in the right place in the right job. Um, so what we so what I did um, uh, in terms of um, abiding by, by that uh, that concept is that we um, first we did a little bit of a reorganization and created a center of, of excellence because you know some other people and also moved um, I mean I, I'm not gonna bore you with details but we basically reorganized the company mm-hmm. quite a bit uh, not dramatically but still made some pretty significant changes um, with uh, keeping in mind that you know those changes could create new pathways uh, for for advancement in the company um, and then we uh, we started creating job dis- descri- descriptions and roles because uh, there had not been any <laughs> before my time. And you know, w- not only when we're hiring people, but also when we're talking to people about how they can grow within the company, it's obviously very critical to say, hey, you know, you could aspire to be this or you could aspire to be that. We've also um, done a, a lot of like lat- lateral moves. Mm-hmm. So we have a development team that develops our proprietary our proprietary software. And uh, we have uh, marketers and we have basically our center of excellence that deals with web development, creative services, and a bunch of things, content creation, and a bunch of things like that. And, but we, we made it very, uh, so when we post a new job, we best post it first to the company, uh, although obviously it creates all kinds of problems for us as a management team, because that means, you know, that person, we're going to have to fill, to backfill that, that <laughs> spot. Exactly right. and we, but we absolutely want to give people a chance to really fully express themselves and find the right position mm-hmm. at boom time that's going to work for them. So, um, so yeah, so that's, that's been working really well uh, so far. Uh, and, and, you know, and we're, we have a very transparent and open door policy virtual open door policy in terms of people <laughs> saying, hey, raising their hand, saying, hey, you know, I, I'd like to do this, right? Does it make sense? And then as a management team, we evaluate it and we say, yeah, yeah, yeah we could do something. So for instance, someone said, hey, you know, I want to work on product innovation. Um, I'm like, wow, okay, great. Uh, so that person's been doing product innovation. Um, you know, someone else said, hey, I think we need product project management. Um, so that person is training to become a project manager. And yeah. so we, so, you know, within the constraints of our small structure, um, we trying to do, uh, to, you know, to be very open to those kinds of ideas uh, because I think it makes people happier um, and, um, and the company more successful. You know, you're, you're going to create your own problems because if your company culture is, is so good and, and, you know, you're going to have to grow into, into opportunity because people are not going to leave. So you know, people, they're always going to stay. So there's oh, no, no opportunity. We, uh, you're just going to have, have to grow a, new jobs. <laughs> yeah. Well, we have a pretty, uh, pretty um, um, ambitious uh, growth uh, uh, projection. 
Uh, and uh, so we need to meet that. And so we're going to need to hire a lot of more uh, people in the next uh, couple of years. Uh, so, and so far, actually, we have been growing and we've been doing really well. So which is, uh, which is nice to say. Yeah, so hopefully we'll be able to create more spots for the people that, uh, you know, for, for, more, for more people. And also, on, honestly, for people to grow into different roles. Uh, right. So. so tell me, what, what has been your biggest surprise since you stepped into the role six months ago? Um, <laughs> good surprise or bad surprise? Hey, uh, this is your show. <laughs> and remember, Bill's uh, listening. <laughs> yeah, Bill will listen to this probably, so I should be careful. No, so look, there were uh, quite a few, um, although I had done a pretty thorough due diligence, there were a, a, a series of kind of skeletons in those closets that I mentioned before where, you know, they were probably clients that had not been sold properly, that were not happy with what we're doing because we we're trying to like force them into something that was probably not very appropriate or not exactly what they expected. So there were a few of these that, you know, I was surprised uh, to, to see these, knowing Bill and, and you know, I have, having done quite a bit of due, due diligence. Uh, so th those were kind of a little bit of a, of a negative surprise, not, not bad, but, you know, definitely in, and we lost some some clients, and we had to resign some some clients too because the fit was was not there. Mm -hmm. um, but the, I think the biggest surprise for me was that um, was the the energy and, and the and the, uh, the appetite for for change and for creating this amazing culture that I think we're we're in the process now. We're, we're not quite quite there yet, but we have a really nice nice. Um, nice culture that uh, but you know like seeing everybody really pull together and be so excited right. and so enthusiastic about this um you know i didn't quite expect that to be honest i mean i thought you know oh, okay they're getting a new ceo you, you know they're getting this you know person they don't know that's make, making a lot of changes and whatever but the the, the response was outstanding and, and again it's a credit to uh to bill for having built that although it was not codified yet by far, mm -hmm. that culture and that and that right. energy in the company. I I uh, it, it's funny to to hear you kind of talk about that that transition and and you know we we talked earlier in the conversation about how do you know when you've gone from startup phase to you know to what the mm -hmm. next phase is. I think when you resign clients, I think you're no longer a startup. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but look, I mean, when the fit is not very, not, not just in terms of, you know, the services that are being rendered and, and the, the, the quality of, of the performance that we can deliver for our clients, but also, again, the culture, you know, there are some mm -hmm. clients that we have are just not right for us, you know, yep. they, they, yep. you know we, we're never going to be able to make them happy and we're not going to be very happy working with them. So if on top, on top of that, if they're not profitable, which usually is a consequence of Mm. You know, not being the right fit, then it doesn't make sense to keep them around. And right, everybody's well, that's a good word. That's a good word. It's, it's almost like the 80 20 principle, too, like the Pareto principle. Mm -hmm. You know, you're putting in place that we're spending 80% of our time on these 20, this 20% of business that yeah. is not really, you know, returning that kind of ROI. Mm -hmm. Plus, you're really not protecting your employees either. If you're putting your, your, your personnel continually in a, con, you know, a conflict situation with, with clients, you know, in, in a situation where they literally can't win, then I I really appreciate your 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 philosophy on that. That, that you we do want to be protective of our brand. We want to be protective of the fit, mm -hmm. but we also want yeah. to be protective of our personnel as well. Oh yeah, no, this is a huge thing for me, and and I think for the the whole management team is that you know we take care of our our people first, mm -hmm. you know, and 
and you know if a client doesn't act uh, doesn't behave correctly then you know we have a chat with them which i had one uh, last week <laughs> you know with our clients like you know this is not an appropriate you know behavior with our our, our people and mm-hmm. uh, uh you know i i I can't have that. So, you know, let's, let's find a way to solve that, yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. And, and also, yeah, I mean, it's not fair to our people when, um, you know, um, to be, you know, in, in relationships and with our clients that are not uh, beneficial to them. Hostile environment. Yeah. And that, that will also build trust, you know, as, as an incoming CEO, that will also build trust with the people that are working on your teams and, yeah. you know, when they see that in, in, in motion, but, mm-hmm. So you and I, we're going to walk on a, on an elevator. We're going to walk on a lift and mm-hmm. we're, we're going up 10 floors. You've got, you've got 30 seconds. Give me the boom time elevator pitch. If I'm a potential client. Yeah. So, you know, boom time, we're a, um, the next generation, uh, digital marketing ag- agency that, uh, has built a proprietary platform that allows us to, uh, to run our marketing campaigns in a scalable, repeatable, and consistent manner, which is a very important thing in digital marketing. And uh, at the same time, allows us to have uh, all our marketing people uh, spend more time on your business, uh, as opposed to doing menial tasks that you know, can be automated, um, and also makes us better marketers. And finally, uh, also makes us so efficient that we can lower our prices so they become affordable to small and medium-sized businesses like yours. Ding, we just walked off. I took your business card and I am now going to be a client. So <laughs> good. <laughs> you sold, sold me in, in that those 10 <laughs> floors. So I I so it's the are your client base, are they are they small, you know, SME businesses, or mm-hmm. are you selling the software, providing the software to other digital marketing agencies or both? No, so we use the software internally to do okay. a lot of things, in, including running our, our, our campaigns, gathering the, the metrics that we use to judge our campaigns and all these things. Our clients have a small view uh, into our software. So they have a dashboard where they can see mm-hmm. how the campaign's going and, 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 and so on, see their basic stats and analytics. Um, but we, we use it mostly internally. Um, and our, our clients are typically uh, B2B businesses or mm-hmm. B2C businesses that have uh, that look like B2B businesses because they have a small addressable market. So in a thousands to maybe a hundred thousand potential clients, right, of, right. Of, of their own with high CLV customer lifetime mm-hmm. value. Right. Um, so a lot of B2B businesses, a lot of pro- professional services. So we have a lot of clients in the legal space, uh, legal tech, uh, fintech. Uh, we have a lot of tech tech companies, period, um, but the tech companies that sell to other businesses. Um, and uh, we do have, um, uh, we, yeah, so that's kind of where, and they tend to be, so about from a million to $2 million in sales to about $50 million and about 10 to 20 employees to 200. That's kind of really our, our sweet spot. Right. And the type right. of marketing that, that we do, I mean, look, we do everything under the sun in digital marketing, but we've really honed in on some packages, basically, of mm-hmm. tools, of digital marketing tools, that really do an ex- excellent job for those types of, of, of businesses right? Um, and are very e- efficient for those types of uh, businesses. I mean, JP is such a great guest that he actually answers questions before I ask them. So <laughs> my next question was going to be, who's your ideal client? He literally yeah. just answered the question. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> What am I going to ask you next? I, I we'll see how good you are. That's right. No, but you know, so I'll tell you another thing. So maybe that will answer your next question. But every marketing uh, tactic that 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 we use and and the way we package them together 
is really what makes us different to not just our software that we use for ourselves, but mm -hmm. but that's also a key thing. And we try everything we do on, on ourselves first. So right. I, you know, uh, we do podcasts, you know, not uh, like I'm doing, pod we're doing podcasts internally at, at Boom Time that we distribute and we have a pretty, you know, we have a, a pretty good stack. We create a lot of content for ourselves. We run uh digital marketing campaigns for, for me as, as, as an individual, for my sales team, for, you know, for ourselves. Uh, so we do everything we do uh, for our clients, we do for our, ourselves. And I think it's a big part of our success is that we know exactly what we're doing. We've tested it, we've tried it, uh, we've refined it, we've, uh, we refine our processes on a consistent basis. Um, so we can, you know, have multiple, you know, we, we, we you know, we're doing, um, you know, we're doing digital marketing at scale. Mm -hmm. Is there, I mean, has there ever been any, any internal conversation about, you know, are we a digital marketing company or are we a SaaS company? I mean, is it, you know, <laughs> That's it, a is very our good software question. so good that are, yeah. are we missing this, you know, huge unaddressed market out there, you know, this our potential market out there that are, you know, could we provide our software and our backend services to digital marketing agencies, you know, mm -hmm. and reach a, a much larger market than we could just as a digital marketing firm ourselves? Yeah, so um, that's an excellent question. And we have had those conversations. Um, that's 2.0. That's boom time 2.0. <laughs> yeah, that's boom time 2.0. Uh, no, that's so look, yeah. I think the company was started mostly as a SaaS company, really. And technology was supposed to be kind of central to it. Um, we've, but we are still a digital marketing agency mm -hmm. uh, that uses technology to its uh, great benefit. Uh, and we actually do price ourselves most more like on a SaaS basis in the mm -hmm. sense that, you know, that's what we, we call it marketing as a service right. uh, because we, we, you know, our campaigns are typically about a year in length uh, and we pay, you know, uh, on a, and our clients pay us on a monthly basis. So we do, we do look at ourselves as a, you know, our revenue model is very much like a SaaS company, yep. uh, but we are still an agency. But at the same time, um, you, you know, we we have thought about you know using our software. It's not quite quite there yet. It keeps you know we use continuous improvement methodologies, mm -hmm. so it's not quite there yet. But it will get there at some point. And at some point, you know, like basically creating some affiliates, having some affiliates that where, where they can use our software as a basis for doing the same thing we do, but in their market and right. grant them right. an exclusive, so they can do that. Um, at the same, and actually, our clients do use currently our software to do some of the things that you know to to basically manage some of the things that we do for them mm -hmm. via that uh, software. Yeah. But it's probably about I would say five to maybe five percent of what we do for our, our clients. But right. yeah, it's a, definitely it's a great uh, thing. And also, you know, to be very blunt, you know, we're um, we're looking at an exit in some years, and the our exit would be better if we are seen kind of as a, as a size agency hybrid as opposed to purely a marketing agency. Yep. So maybe you and Bill both need to go buy some fishing equipment or our new mountain bikes. <laughs> That's my hope. <laughs> JP, is there, as we chatted today, I, I love just to, to hear that it's, it's really interesting to kind of, you know, remember my conversation with Bill and then, and, and then add to that, you know, my conversation with you today. And then, it's it is it's new and fresh and and you know the I I really appreciate you kind of drilling down on some of the things because I I do think it's going to be helpful to those that listen that that may be in similar situations to you but is there anything that we haven't touched on that you just would like to wrap us up with today? 
yeah. So, you know, as I said, I, I've worked with a lot of startups in the past. Um, not as so much now at, at boom time, although we do have startups in, in our client uh, roster. Uh, but, you know, I've, and uh, one of my um, pet peeves or pet projects, you want to call it that, uh, is, is analytics. And, you know, I, I'm still shocked uh, after 30 years of doing marketing, how little companies, uh, even start, and especially startups, uh, don't take the time to look at analytics, set KPIs, and really try to track their progress over time, look at the right type of analytics, the right type of KPIs. And monitor that uh, because it's so important to running a business at, of any size at any stage of a business and um, and you know and also a lot of clients come, come to, to us with literally no strategy mm-hmm. and they say like, yeah. hey, you know help us or or we need to do this but we're like well not not necessarily you, you have to do the research the discovery the thinking and okay. strategize before you can do anything and it goes for startups uh, about their products about their revenue models about anything um, and it goes for digital marketing campaigns like we do um, and so I'd love to leave that you know this is I'm still you know surprised that so many so many people don't don't take the time to do this right um, to be honest and uh, and I would highly highly recommend anybody who's listening there in the startup world to uh, to really think harder at that um, so that's that's pretty much it know your numbers yeah let, let data drive the decisions yeah i keep saying if you cannot measure it you cannot manage it exactly that, that's exactly right what a way to wrap up today it's uh it's been a pleasure meeting you and and uh just hearing your story jp and and uh, really appreciate you taking the time and uh, let you let you head into your weekend now as, as we're kind of wrapping up the week but you know if you, hey if you're the boss you're you're probably on 24 7 anyway so it, pretty, it's much, like, pretty much weekends <laughs> just kind of blend into the rest of the week but yes and i really appreciate you taking the time and just really playing your part and just helping all boats rise in a rising tide jp have a great weekend thanks you too kevin thanks for having me Another episode in the books. We hope you heard some great takeaways. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a five-star review on iTunes and YouTube. As always, thanks for listening to Rising Tide.